so, Father, tonight, we just, God, we come before you, God. God, we love your goodness. We declare your goodness over us tonight. And so, God, we just abandon ourselves to you. We lay everything down at your feet tonight. And we just bless you. We want to bless your name, Father. You're so amazing. God, we just want to worship you tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in this place tonight. We feel your presence so very heavy. We feel your love for your people. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you're touching each and every heart here. Every woman, every man, every child. Let them feel your tangible presence tonight, Lord. Let them not go home without feeling your wonderful, tangible presence. Lord, when we come together to worship you in spirit and in truth, let your people expect your presence and a word straight from your heart, straight from your throne of grace and mercy. Lord, your people need you tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you're breaking yokes and taking burdens off the people's shoulders and in their bellies, Lord, that everlasting living waters will flow instead of tightness and tenseness, Lord. Instead of fear, you will give them joy, unspeakable. We thank you tonight, Lord, and we expect a miracle in our lives tonight. We come as little children because you said to. When you come as a little child and expect the Lord to do something for you, what do you need tonight, the Lord says? I have it for you. Just come. Just come and expect a miracle, says the Lord. So tonight... The Lord had a word for me to say. And I was tired. And I was kind of, oh, should I go? I'm so tired. And then after I said that, the Lord's like, he pat me on the head and said, okay. And then he started downloading. And when he does that, that means you're going. Because I have something. It's not about you. You think I can't strengthen you? to go I said okay Lord then I said this I said if our pastor calls or, or texts me and say he, he wanted me to say something I will go I went into the kitchen for a few minutes I came back I checked my phone there was my text our pastor said can I you know do the transition from worship and so I said okay Lord I have to do what you said to do and so I had, I had this word that I gave in 2018 to this ministry. And it was my first day, my first visit here. And the Lord said, I want you to give it again. You know, I'm, I'm no big deal. I am not. Nobody should act like they are. I'm just a girl, a very insecure 
not too much a girl now, but very insecure girl from Hawaii. I couldn't talk because I would stutter. But then I met the Lord Jesus. And he just made me talk, talk, talk. Sometimes he has to tell me to stop. And I met him. And he straightened up my tongue. Because when I would see people, I would kind of run because I didn't want to talk. Unless I got drunk, then I could talk all I wanted. You know, that's fake stuff. <laughs> now I get drunk in the Holy Spirit. But so I had all these problems, and I didn't ask for anything, you know. But he gives me these dreams, these visions, these words, and to, told me to prophesy. And as much as I could, and I can, I try to be obedient. Sometimes I don't, and he has to slap me and get, get me up there again, but, but most of the time I do. So this word came, 2018. First of all, I want to say um, these pastors, they do have a pastor's heart. And I would like you all to appreciate them because they do. I've seen, I've been around a long time, and I've seen pastors that did not have a heart for people. They're not in it for the money, of course. <laughs> They're not in it to be popular and superstars. They were called. They were called. And I can see the humility in both of them. I've never heard them speak badly of anyone. I've only seen them try to help as best they can in prayer and in counseling. So I just want to say tonight, you guys trust me. In fact, I have a word, and I better say it now before I forget. Take off the glasses again. The Lord said that you've been faithful. Even though you hit a snag, he's brought you back but it's gonna be greater glory for you. Greater glory because you stood the test and you didn't stop and you didn't give up. And so the Lord says, the fruit that I started you off with, you're gonna see it by the end of this year and towards the beginning of 2022. You're gonna see the fruit that you labored for. Lord said, I have not forgotten you. He said, don't forsake the little small things. Remember the small things and where I brought you from? Because you won't remember them that much anymore because I'm going to make it big. So he says to you, I carry you in my arms. I will never forsake you and I will never leave you. And I will always speak my word into your heart. And you will speak my word only to my people. Because that's where it's going to be. That's where the power is. In my word. And how you handle the sheep or the lambs. That's where the power will be. Because of your love for people that he put there. So that's your word. By the end of this year, you're going to see the fruit. 
going into 2022. Watch and see. It says, watch and see. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. So here we go again. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, Lord. He also says, to those that have been jealous of you, shame on them, he says. Shame on them. Those who speak negative and badly about you, shame on them. God's saying that. People need to be careful when God says things like that. He said, because no weapon formed against you will prosper. When they speak badly of you, negatively. But you will prosper. In the face of your enemies, you will prosper. But don't say, I told you so. <laughs> Stay humble. <laughs> so any of the word of the Lord came to me in 2016, this word. And I want you to hear it and listen to it because it is for his people and he protects his people. He protects you. You belong to Christ Jesus, he will protect you. And if you don't belong to Christ Jesus, it's the time to come to the Lord because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through me. So the word came, and you'll remember this. I got up about 3 o'clock in the morning, not on my own, but the Lord woke me up. And, it, uh, and I had a vision, an open vision. And it was waves of golden fire. It seemed golden, but it was like more like a bright yellow and then orange. But it was coming. The waves were coming in. And I wanted to go back to sleep. And then he woke me. He, he, he like, he'll slap you back up again. You know, he'll say, okay, Lord, you know. But it was so bright that uh, the word came to me when I saw these waves of fire coming in. He said to me, be ready, my lambs. Now, I want you to hear that word, lambs. You are the lambs. You're his lambs because he's the great shepherd. So he's saying to you, be ready, my lambs. I'm purging the land. I'm purging the land. I'm purging the land. And I will start at my house. And I will expose those in high places and positions. Be ready, my lambs. I am purging the land. So he's given us caution. The purging will be what's happening right now. Lord gave me this in 2016, December 2016. He gave me this word, and I saw that open vision. And I didn't know what it meant, but now I see. You see people being exposed in top positions. Evil ones are being exposed. But he said, my lambs, you just stay ready. He says, I will curse, curse the wicked, but I will bless the righteous. Simultaneously, you're going to see this happening. They're going to be coming down. They will not be blessed. But he said, my people 
who are called by my name, they are the ones that are blessed. And he's saying right now, do not be afraid. Do not fear because I am with you and I will be with you to the end of time. And you don't have to fear what's coming down or what the lies of the enemy is doing right now to his people. He's putting so much fear in you. But he said tonight, the fear is going to leave. Whatever you need from the Lord tonight, he says, I want you to come to me and I will do it. There's some people here, somebody here that has fear of your future. You have this decision you're trying to make and you don't know whether to go or whether to stay. Go or stay. Do or not. The Lord said tonight, I will make, help you make that decision. He said, if it's not a compromising thing to my word, then you would really know it. But if it compromises my word, then you know not to do it. But if it will glorify me, go ahead with it. Whatever you need tonight, you're asking the Lord for prayer. He said, here I am. I am the answer to your prayer. It's according to my will and according to my purpose. Now, Lord, I thank you because you said for me to say this. Anyone that has fear of the unknown, going through such a hard time making a decision, Lord, put that one in that place that you want that person to be. Let them know. Speak to them, Lord, right now. Comfort them and give them a yes. Give them a yes, Lord. That's all they ask. Lord, meet that need. I pray for a financial miracle to happen right now in the lives of your people that are asking you, Lord. They've been asking you, and some's been like even saying, Lord, are you even here? Are you even real? Why are you so quiet? Lord said, I'm not quiet tonight, but I will meet that need and it will glorify my name and you will testify of me, says the Lord, of my goodness, my mercy, and my grace. So the Lord says, grab onto it. And I speak to the spirit of fear right now. I speak to the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, in the authority of the name of Jesus, the authority of the Holy Spirit, and the blood of Jesus, I cast you out in Jesus' name. You have to go in the name of Jesus. You are an evil spirit, and you tormented my people long enough. Now go. Praise the Lord. There's the freedom. There's freedom. That spirit left. Hallelujah. That spirit just left. Don't let it hang around. Go in Jesus' name. And when he tries to come back, tell him, get out of here. I already cast you out, and you have to go. 
I cast you into the pit instead before your time in Jesus' name. I cast you into the pit before your time in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, I thank you now that you bless each and every one. And if anyone needs prayer later, whenever the pastor wants prayer, people to come up for prayer, come up. The Lord's not finished. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm just, uh, I keep seeing just a crack, like a, a crack in, it looks like just cement, but I know it's somebody's, probably more than one of us in the room, just a, a crack, like it's a place of brokenness. And I keep seeing just over and over the Lord just coming and filling it, just like taking cement and just smoothing over that broken place and just filling it up. Jesus is our, he's our great high priest. If you need a minister, he's your minister. He is your, your, your great high priest. The one who can meet your need, who can take care of everything. He, he fills the broken places. So I just want to invite anyone in the room tonight, if, if you have a, a brokenness inside of you that you need the Lord to touch tonight, I'm just going to invite you to come stand up here and we'll pray. I'll just give it a minute. Just, just come stand right up here. and You guys know everyone in the room pretty much and you know that there's no nothing but love in this room for one another. So if you need prayer, we'll just take care of that now. curious I'm curious you know we're we're talking about Jesus being our great high priest we've been going through Hebrews and that's what a priest does you know, a priest stands in our in our place he stands as a mediator between God and man and that's exactly what Jesus is for us he's he is our priest I think most of the time unless you're just kind of dwelling in the book of Hebrews we typically don't think of Jesus, I, I don't, as my priest. He's like your best friend. He's your savior. He's your Lord. He's the lover of your soul. He's, he's all those good things. You know. Even in Hebrews chapter 2, we learn he's, he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. So he's, he's my big brother. <laughs> it's just still hard for me to wrap my mind around. He's my king. That's easy for me to, to, to declare. When, when we were singing tonight, all, when we weren't singing all hail King Jesus, but we were declaring him as king. Yeah. And uh, for me, that's probably the most appropriate response in my heart. Because when I declare Jesus as my king, I'm, in, I'm declaring that, Jesus, you're the ruler. Like, you're the, you're the master, the ruler over everything. And as I recognize that and I declare who he is, I'm bringing myself under his kingship, under the scepter of his rule. And, you know, when we say, let your kingdom come, we're actually saying, let your government, let your authority, your rule and your reign come into my life. It's easier for us to, to ask God to send his kingdom into other people's lives. And let your kingdom come in, in their life, but, no, I mean, I need the kingdom. I need, I, I could lay hands on my brain, on my heart, on my whatever, my feet, whatever's hurting, whatever's broken. 
whatever's not thinking right, you know, I can just lay hands on myself and play, pray plenty. I think we're all kind of in that same boat. You know, we, we all know that we need, we need Jesus more than anything. I mean, these days that we're living in, not to highlight the darkness or highlight the, the intensity of the times, but these are times where it's even more important for us to recognize our need for the Lord because the enemy wants to come and distract us. He wants to pull our attention on all of the stuff that's happening in the earth. And Jesus is still ruling and reigning on his throne just as much as he was before all of the action was happening. It just happens to be landing close to home for all of us. And he wants to show himself as our glorious king and our glorious high priest in the middle of all of the things that we're going through. So we invite you tonight on a little journey through through Hebrews chapter 8. And it's actually going to go by fairly quick because it's only 13 verses. Um, But it's just powerful. The word of God is powerful. Why don't you just say that with me? The word of God is powerful. It's powerful. Sharper than a double-edged sword. Yeah, it, it cuts and it penetrates deep into who we are. It, it, it separates soul and spirit, bone and marrow, joints and sinew. It cuts and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. That's pretty powerful. That is, that is deep. It's more than just a piece of metal that can cut actual flesh. It can actually go in and separate what is spirit and what is soul. Do you know how to do that on your own? What's spirit and what's soul about me? Which part of me is my spirit? Which part of me is my soul? The reality is that you have a soul and you have a spirit. They're two separate things. You have a body. That's separate from those two as well. You and your own self are a triune being. You consist of body, soul, and spirit. And when Jesus told us to worship that the that we should worship the Lord our God. He said, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might and strength. It goes from the inside outward. And Paul said that we should be led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. So think about that for a minute. Just before we get into the Word of God, we are actually autonomous beings that were created to walk and make decisions and judgments in, in life and be led by impulses. Before you come to Christ, you're led by the impulses of your flesh and your soul. But your spirit is dead towards God before Christ. But when, when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, he comes to join himself with your innermost being, the real you, the ghost that's inside of you that will one day leave this temple, leave this this flesh tent. This is just a tent. You're just walking around in the tent and it, it hurts sometimes. It does things you shouldn't do, like picking up a 36-pack of water or 32. It climbs up hillsides to look at property, even when you're 75 years of age and practically stumbling back down. You know, this, this tent of flesh, it, it's amazing. God made it amazing. But it, it wants to actually lead people. It wants to direct you. It, and, and there's a spiritual 
realm around us that wants to tempt your flesh so that it will rise up and draw you into things that please the flesh. But when Jesus comes to live inside of you, he births his spirit into your spirit and you become a new creation, a new spirit on the inside with God. And he wants to flood your spirit with his life. And he wants to, to empower you and lead you by the Holy Spirit. And he also wants to release in you from the inside out the thoughts of God, the mind of Christ. First Corinthians, First Corinthians tells us, Paul said that you have received the mind of Christ. Sounds kind of you know, out there, like this, the mind of, of Christ. But we, the thoughts of God, are accessible to us yeah. by the Holy Spirit. You and I have been given a precious gift, the Holy Spirit. When we sing, come down, Spirit, would you, you know, whatever we were singing, I'm here and I know you will fill me. You know, Holy Spirit, we just, we need him. We need his presence. We need more of him. We want him to flood us. We want him to penetrate through these walls and come invade the space when we're gathered together. We need him so much. The more of him we, we have, the better. So back to, to us, you know, he wants, he wants to flood our beings with his life, and he wants to lead us by the Spirit. So tonight we're actually going to learn just a little bit about um, that. Not a whole lot. That wasn't the plan, was not to go into you how you're designed, but how, how many of you know that the Bible said, Paul said, the Bible says, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have received from God. So you don't go to church, you are the church. This building could disappear in an earthquake, and guess what? The church is still alive because the church is you, your body is a vessel, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and the, the fact that, that the word temple would be used to give you a picture of who you are is very powerful because there's so much of a similarity between your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the, the temple that God dwelt in before Jesus went to the cross. Let's look at the Word of God. I'll quit rambling. It's not really. Okay, here we go. Hebrews chapter 8, and this is verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> now this is the crowning point of what we are saying. We have a magnificent king priest who ministers for us at the right hand of God. He is enthroned with honor next to the throne of the majesty on high. He serves in the holy sanctuary temple in the true heavenly tabernacle set up by God and not by man. Now just meditate on that for a second. We know there was an earthly temple or tabernacle. It's a weird word. It sounds like it makes me think of barnacles when I read it. It's not a barnacle. It's a tabernacle. You can say it if you want. I won't ask you to. A tabernacle is just a dwelling place. It's the same as a temple. A temple, a tabernacle, a building, an edifice for God's presence to fill. And Jesus, just like a priest here on earth would, would do his work inside of the, the earthly temple, Jesus is in heaven right now. Right now, as we're sitting in this room, he is in heaven ministering on our behalf as our great high priest. 
in a tabernacle, a, in a, a structure in the heavenly realm. I don't know about you guys, but that just kind of, it, it, it kind of opens my curiosity a little bit. Makes me wonder what this tabernacle even looks like. There's some things about it. So let's keep, let's keep reading here. So he serves in a holy sanctuary or tabernacle in the true heavenly tabernacle set up by God, not by men. Back to the earthly priest. Since every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so Jesus, the Messiah, also had to bring some sacrifice. Hmm, this is interesting. But since he didn't qualify to be an earthly priest, and there are already priests, or at least there were at, at this time of this writing, there are already priests who offer sacrifices prescribed by the law, he, Jesus, offered in heaven a perfect sacrifice. Think about it. We all know that Jesus was nailed to the cross. He was crucified, he died, and he was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, alive, living and breathing, flesh, body. He said to Thomas, put your hands in my side. Feel where they stab me with a spear. Put your hand in the, in the nail holes. I am not a ghost. It is me. I'm alive. He showed them. He, he proved his resurrection. He's the firstborn from among the dead, never to die again. And not only did he raise up from the dead, but he, he stood before a mass of people and the disciples, and he gave them commandments, he gave them instructions to, to wait and receive the power of the Holy Spirit, who was going to be poured out at that time on Pentecost. But then before their eyes, he, is, he began to lift up off the ground, and he ascended, and he was basically swallowed up into a cloud. If you were standing there, see Jesus, a human being, get smaller and smaller and smaller as he's going up, and then poof up into the clouds. I don't know. Maybe you struggle with that being a true thing. All I know is that this Jesus who went up into the heavens has changed my life, and he's changed your lives, and he's shown himself, he's changed the history of our world. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Our calendar is based on his before and after his appearing on the earth. I mean, it's a little bit technical when you try to get down to the specifics of the dates, but I mean, our calendar is based on Jesus. B.C., we are living in, uh, not B.C., but A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So we can calculate how many years it's been since Jesus went up into the clouds. And angels appeared at that moment to the disciples and said, why are you still standing here? Wake up. It's like the same Jesus that you just saw go up into the clouds, he's going to come back the same way. And Jesus told them, when, when he returns, no, no eye is going to miss it. Just as the lightning strikes can be seen across the sky, we will see the coming of the Son of, of, the Son of Man, the Son of God, in his return. So if anyone says to you, oh, Jesus has already returned, well, no, he hasn't. And we can't predict that, that return either. But we know the signs of the time. We are living in pretty peculiar times right now. So, Jesus went into this spiritual tabernacle, this heavenly realm, and presented himself in heaven as a perfect sacrifice. 
next verse. The priests on earth serve in a temple. I'm going to just pause for a second. You got everyone in here knows, right, that there is no Jewish Hebrew temple, right, in Jerusalem. Does anyone know what's in that spot right now? Temple Mount, which is like the foundation of the temple, the, the temple that we're going to take a look at in just a second. But there's the Dome of the Rock, the Islamic Mosque on the Temple Mount where God's temple was once standing. And the Jews, the rabbis, the priests, and visitors from around the world go to this place, this foundation. They call it the Wailing Wall. And they, the priests, the rabbis, you, you've seen the videos, they're all, you know, they got their outfits on and they're, they're doing this rocking motion in front of the wall. And I don't know if you knew this, but they, they take prayers and they tuck them into the cracks of the walls. They're, they're trying to find their hope in God restoring that temple one day. Yeah. So at the time of this writing, the temple had not yet been destroyed, and there still was activity inside of the actual Hebrew temple. And so the scripture tells us that those priests at that time, they on earth serve in a temple that is but a copy. That earthly temple was but a copy modeled after the heavenly sanctuary, a shadow of the reality. So think about it. That earthly temple, we call it, uh, there was different remodels that happened, but the last one was Herod's, temp uh, Herod's temple. Before that, it was Solomon, King Solomon's temple. And before that, it was the tabernacle of, uh, of Moses, the transportable. Anyway, not to go into that, but the... Probably one of the seventh wonders of the world, the, the, the I'm going to say Terod, my words aren't want to come out, the temple of Herod, the, the temple that Herod had instructed to be upgraded, was nothing compared to what is in the heavenly realm. The earthly one is just a shadow, it's a, it's a type of a supernatural spiritual realm in heaven. This blows my mind. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about all of this, but it's imagination kind of go there. For when Moses began to construct the tabernacle, God warned him and said, you must precisely follow the pattern that I revealed to you on Mount Sinai. So the mountain that Moses went up into while Israel stood back because they're freaking out because this mountain was trembling with earthquakes and lightning and clouds and, and they could hear the voice, they could hear this supernatural It'd be kind of like you and I going up into the mountains here and a UFO or something just, you know, shakes the whole environment around us. We'd all be like running the other direction, <clears throat> but we don't believe in UFOs. But Moses would go up into the mountain and he would disappear up there and he would commune with God. And that is where God gave him the Ten Commandments of stone, written on stone. So he would go up and God gave him instructions to build the earthly tabernacle, the earthly temple. He was so, you can read it, go through your Old Testament and read how God gave him specific instructions on dimensions, on the types of materials that were to be in place. It's, it's really detailed. You may not think that it's a very uh, you know, spectacular thing that God gave him instructions to build, but the details are really interesting. So here's a picture just a diagram. This is just someone's 
imagination because we don't have photos, we don't have images to look at of what the actual temple looked like. But this is what the Hebrew temple basically consisted of. It's pretty simple. It's like a shoebox. If you look at the little diagram on the bottom, that red uh, rectangle, this is a picture of the inside of that rectangle. You had the holy place, which is, had those candelabras, and then you had the holy of holies, which is where those, well, in this one, they've got lions with wings, but they're called cherubim, basically these angelic creatures that were fashioned out of gold, and they were there basically overshadowing the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody in this room has watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Has anybody not watched it? Okay, so you know, you haven't watched it? Oh my goodness. Oh, we need to watch We're it. I'm going to have to get you that DVD that you borrowed. <laughs> so if you've watched it, yeah, we got a copy of it too. Uh, one of our daughters has, I think, all those Indiana Jones oh, movies. Yes, so in that movie, there's a great depiction of replication of the actual Ark of the Covenant. And that Ark inside of it, and we'll read about this in, I believe, in the next chapter, Hebrews 9, goes into all the details. So I don't want to spend too much time going into the details, but I just want to do an overview. So the temple consisted of the holy place and the holy of holies, or the most holy place. And it was separated with a curtain, and nobody was allowed to go into the holy of holies except for once a year, and it was a chosen high priest who would go in, and that was only with the blood of the, the atonement lamb that was sacrificed, the blood of the lamb. Now, we've talked about the details. You know, they would put bells on the bottom of their robe, tie a rope to their foot, just in case they screwed up in there and God killed them. They hear, hear the bells didn't, you know, move anymore. Could you so imagine that? Tug the rope a little bit. Everyone's like, listen. Kind of pull it. <laughs> I don't know if that ever happened, but that's just what I've heard, and I think many people will agree that they've learned this over the years. But on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in there and present the blood of that slaughtered lamb for his own sins and for the sins of the nation. So he would go as a mediator between God behind that veil and himself and all of the people that he was a priest representing. Jesus is our high priest. And when he was on the cross and he said the words, it is finished. That temple veil tore from top to bottom. Now, you can read the dimensions. It was very thick, made out of woven and twisted materials, dyed with colors and had uh, fashioned angel figures woven into the material. It's just your imagination has to kind of go there when you read the description of this. That wasn't just a thin little curtain. You know, it wasn't just like nylon. It was thick. And it tore from top to bottom. So that is the temple. Now just to give you guys one more little picture. To sit back and enjoy the movie. Again, this is someone's recreation. It's not exact. But in the outer courts, you had the altar of sacrifice there. Where they would burn. something about them. 
thoughts and decisions and your daily processes are made. And hopefully, your holy place where your daily activities happen are led by the impulses that come from the most holy place, by the Spirit. Because we are to be led by the Spirit, not by the outer courts. We don't want to be led by what is going on on the outside of the temple, but we want to be led by the in the innermost place, by the Holy Spirit. Does that give you guys a little bit of picture of who you are? You carry the presence of God in the throne of your own heart. In a sense, there's a, a, a throne right in the center of who you are. And that's where Jesus comes to live inside of you, to rule and to reign. It's pretty mind-blowing. So next, next week we'll go a little bit deeper into that, but there's only a few verses, so let's read the rest of this. But now Jesus, the Messiah, has accepted a priestly ministry which far surpasses theirs, since he is the catalyst of a better covenant which contains far more wonderful promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, no one would have needed a second one to replace it. So the old temple, the old priesthood, was all part of an old covenant. That's why your Bible separated into the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus came as our high priest, establishing a new covenant, a new will, a new order of how man can relate to God. And it's built on better promises. Like we don't have to, thank God, we don't have to slaughter animals constantly for everything that's going on. I mean, if you like got a cold or something, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, the priest did eat parts of it. You know, there were certain parts reserved for the priest, but some of it was not to be eaten. Some of it was just to be burned as an offering to God. But God revealed the defect and limitation of the first when he said this to his people. Look, the day will come, declares the Lord, when I will satisfy the people of Israel and Judah by giving them a new covenant. It will be an entirely different covenant than the, than the one I made with their fathers when I led them by my hand out of Egypt. For they did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I rejected them, says the Lord God. For here is the covenant I will one day establish with the people of Israel, and this is what we get to enjoy today. I will embed my laws within their thoughts and fasten them onto their hearts. I will be their loyal God, and they will be my loyal people. And the result of this will be that everyone will know me as Lord. There will be no need at all to teach their fellow citizens or brothers by saying, You should know Yahweh, since everyone will know me inwardly, from the most unlikely to the most distinguished. Now, I, I wanted to just take a moment because I'm always got this little conviction it could just be me, but I feel like it's the Lord, that we, we need to do a, just a, a quick instruction on why the word Yahweh. Isn't this about Jesus? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. What's this Yahweh thing? So we're just going to go into it real, real quickly. You know, the, the translator of the Passion Translation, the guy who wrote the pan Passion Translation, often in inserts the word Yahweh in there, and there's a reason for it. So Yahweh is basically the name of God in the Old Testament. Often translated as the Lord, all capitals, all capital letters in the Old Testament. The divine name, and I'll just say the English letters, Y-H-W-H, commonly referred to as 
the Tetragrammaton, trying to say that 10 times really fast, is translated in most English versions as Lord, all capital letters. To distinguish it from Adonai, the Hebrew word that we translate in English, Lord. So for instance, you will often see in the Psalms, the Lord, all capitals, said to my Lord, lowercase. That's basically saying the Lord, Yahweh, the name of God, said to my master, my Adonai. I know, I don't want to get confusing with this, but they, trans, they made it confusing, I think, when they translated it, Lord and Lord. But you'll read in the footnotes of some of your Bibles, it'll say the reason why we put it all caps is to refer to Yahweh. And so those letters, Y-H-W-H, have no vowels. And so people have inserted the vowels in there in between the Yah and the, and the W-H. So there, that's where we get Yahweh. And the Jehovah's Witness, if you didn't know this, um, and Christians in the past, instead of calling the, those four letters Yahweh, they would often say Jehovah. Because Jehovah is basically the same four letters with different vowels. I know there's no J, but it would be more like Yahovah. So a Jehovah's Witness builds their whole theology and church structure around this thing that they're stuck on. That no, you're only to worship Jehovah, not Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus' name is Yeshua. And his name means Yahweh or Yah, Shua. Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. When we say hallelujah, hallelujah, we are saying hallelujah, praise Yah, or short for Yahweh. So in the more modern times, people have come around to accept that it's actually Yahweh, not Jehovah. It doesn't really matter because it's all about Jesus. But it's interesting to kind of get a little, <coughs> excuse me, a little background and why the, the words are put the way they are, and why the Passion Translation guy will say, you know, stuff like about Yahweh. Or we sing about Yahweh in some of our songs. Creator God, you are Yahweh. The great I am, you are Yahweh. The rose of Sharon, you are Yahweh. <laughs> and so the three in one, you are Yahweh. His name, the Creator God's name is Yahweh. And when he became a human being, born in a manger, to Mary and Joseph, he became Yahweh in the flesh. And he was told, the angel told Joseph, his name will be Jesus or Yeshua, which means Yahweh's his salvation. He's the savior of the world. So there you go. There's your little uh, Hebrew, I guess, lesson. And this is the end. For I will demonstrate my mercy to them. I will, for and will forgive their evil deeds and never remember again their sins. This proves that by establishing this new covenant, the first is now obsolete, ready to expire, and about to disappear. Passion Translation had a little note, but I didn't put it down, but that word disappear um, could actually be translated uh, to be given birth to something new. It's interesting. I kind of like that because we don't disregard everything in the old covenant you don't not read your Old Testament and think, well, you know, Jesus fulfilled all that, so I don't need to know the Old Testament. Oh, there's, there's so much in the Old that we can take knowledge from and learn from. There's so much Jesus is hidden all throughout the Old Testament. 
I can tell you some really bizarre things about the Old Testament. I won't go there now because that would take a lot of time. I'm just saying, if you were to take every Hebrew letter from Genesis, the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, every seven spaces, it spells out Yahweh, 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 over and over. Genesis and Exodus go in one direction, not in Leviticus, because every 49 letters, I believe, it spells out Torah, the law, and then Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Torah. Numbers and Deuteronomy, it also does Yahweh go in the opposite direction. I don't know. You go figure that one out. That's just <laughs> God's fingerprints. Why don't we stand up? <laughs> we know that, that this book, this book, it's not just one book, right? It's 66 books put together in one volume. We call, we call this the canon. So I can aim it at you. <laughs> yes, this is the word of God. And God's, his, he knew this book would come under attack. This book has supernatural, divine, what's the word? It, it, it was, alive. it is alive. It, and, and it was breathed with, with like reinforcement in it, that knowing that it would come under attack. And so those little things like those Hebrew letters every certain spaces is pretty wild to really look into that. Now, you can get caught up in some weird stuff. There's a lot of weird books that are written about that. And you could try to uh, decipher the future by finding written the hidden code in the Old Testament. <laughs> try to find your name in there. The, the stuff is in there, but I'm not going to go there because I'm not an expert. Again, I don't know if it would be um, the only purpose really for it would be for you and I to, to value this book even because I, I call it his fingerprints, the fingerprints of God. Yeah, exactly. And I've heard it. I've heard it said that Jesus is in the Old Testament concealed, or actually, it's they say that the New Testament is in the Old Testament. It's concealed in there. You can find it. It all pointed to the new promise, the new covenant, and everything written in the New Testament. And the Old Testament is actually in, all over in the New Testament, revealed. So it's in the Old concealed, and it's in the New revealed. So the Old Testament, yeah, and God will reveal it to you. He's our teacher, the author of the book, who lives inside of you, will highlight things to you as you're looking through your, your flesh and blood eyes, and you're reading stuff off the page. The Spirit of God in you will make those words come alive to you, and it will be food for your soul, food for your spirit. Speaking of food, there is food, and I want to eat some. There's like some good stuff over there, so we'll pray. I'm not going to click that because it'll start music. Um, did you have any final thoughts, my dear? I don't. Okay. Are you, are you guys all good? Are you hungry? You're like, oh, let's go. I'm going to eat. Okay. Well, let's just pray. Yeah, Lord, we thank you. Lord Yahweh, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, you are Yahweh. You are our creator, God. You are our great high priest. And Lord, we just thank you that this place where you dwell in all of your glory, where you are enthroned at the right hand of the Father, is a real place. It's even more real than this, this dirt ball that we're standing on right now. We know 
that this earth will, will fade. It'll all be rolled up like a, like a cloth or like a scroll. But you will remain forever, and your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So we just thank you tonight, Lord. We thank you for the revelation of your word. We thank you for opening our eyes to this reality that there is a heavenly tabernacle. That Jesus, when you went into the most holy place in the heavenly realm, you presented your blood on our behalf. That you, you made a testimony that your blood has covered our sins. And it was once and for all. We thank you, Lord, that you have established a new covenant, a new priesthood, where we become priests with you. Lord, we celebrate what you've done for us. We celebrate your sacrifice. We celebrate the fact that you live forever to intercede for us. You pray for us. We thank you, Lord. We know your prayers get answered. Ours, maybe 50% of the time. I don't know. It feels like it. But we're getting better. We're, we're aiming for 100%. But God, we know yeah, Jesus. Yeah. We know that you as our great high priest, your prayers always get answered. So we thank you that you are praying for us, that you're interceding, and that the Holy Spirit, who you've poured out on us right now in this place, is also interceding for us with words that cannot even be expressed. So we thank you that you are on our side. We thank you that all of heaven is backing us. And we just offer ourselves to you this evening as as an end to this gathering, Lord, we say, here we are. We are yours. I belong to you. I want to be a priest in your priesthood. I want to be a minister to take your kingdom and release it here on earth. So we do that tonight, Lord. We just make ourselves available to you, and we say, here we are. Come and, and fill our lives with your goodness, your presence. Fill these temples tonight, Lord. Fill each one of these vessels, these temples, with the living presence of God. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We pray we, we won't grieve you, Lord. We won't offend you. But we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and Lord, sanctify and purify the food. <laughs> we bless the food right now in the name of Jesus and take all the calories out of it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hey man, I thought, were you worried about what you cooked or something? The temperature wasn't quite there.